from the USA Today Network. Welcome to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Ross, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson. That's right, it's time for The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. We are ready to kick off the 2022 season of Scarlet Knights football. They are just days away from the opener against Boston College, and we are here to break it all down for you. Ryan Ross here with Chris Eisman and Steve Edelson. Another season is upon us. We will be joining you each and every week to talk Rutgers football, so I hope you'll be there with us all season long. As we start the season, Chris, Welcome back to the show. Another season is here. Training camp is over. The game just a few days away here as we talk on Wednesday. Everyone wants to know, Chris, as we exit training camp, where does the quarterback battle stand? Well, first of all, Ryan, it's great to have another season. And I think everyone can say that it's time for us to actually start talking about games instead of just training camp and you know position battles and all that stuff. And, and you know, you're watching, uh, you know, Nebraska and Northwestern and the other day in, in their game in Ireland on Saturday. And, you know, you got you ready for college football. You know, that was it's good to go. You know, it's um, so it's, it's exciting. It's another year. So we'll be there to cover it all um, in terms of the quarterback. No clue. <laughs> <laughs> the Jeff chart came out yesterday and it still says Noah Vigil or Evan Simon or Gavin Wimsat. So, listen, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, as we as we hear from, uh, you know, some audio from Greg Schiano. But. You know, I think that there's a real good possibility that we're going to see multiple quarterbacks on Saturday up in Chestnut Hill. I think that there, that's that's, I'm leaning toward you know feeling like that's going to be the case. I, I, I listen. I mean, it, it's no change from what we've been talking about for weeks now, right? I mean, it started in the spring and now it's continued through training camp. That no one really has separated himself. No one really, you know, went out and grabbed that job. So I'm really expecting to see multiple guys play a quarterback. Shiano said the other day that that's a strong possibility. He said, whatever it takes, you know, to win. He said, that's what they're going to do. So that's kind of the way I'm leaning. And, um, you know, on the depth chart, it, it sort of certainly leads itself to, uh, you know, that expectation. And before we get to Steve real quick, here's what Greg Shiano had to say about that quarterback battle. No, we haven't settled yet on who will start. Um, you know, I think they all had good training camps. Um, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. So, you know, I don't know how many you'll see. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. If you are to check Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and listen to the radio and talk to friends, uh, it seems like Rutgers fans have an opinion of who should be the starting quarterback. And if you check app.com and northjersey.com, Steve Edelson with a column up today uh, stating his case and who he believes the Scarlet Knights quarterback should be. Steve, why don't you take us through that? Well, I think if you're talking about the fan base, they are squarely behind Gavin Wimsatt. You know, here's the four-star quarterback of the future. Yeah, I think people want to see him. And, you know, in in the wake of, uh, you know, a lack of other great options, you know, Noah Vedral's experienced. Yes, we know that. He's not going to make as many mistakes. But, you know, I think there's value in getting on the field and making those mistakes and learning from them. And I, I think that's what this is going to be about uh, for Gavin Wimsat this season. And I think Rutgers, even if he's he's not the full-time starter on opening day, he needs to have a, a, a real presence in that game. And I, I would hope that within the next week or so, he becomes the full-time starter and, and you can really begin that process really establishes himself. So I think that's what you have to hope for right now. And I, I think he, I think he needs to play a lot and he needs to play immediately. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of fans certainly agree with what, with Steve and, and, and what he's saying. And 
you know, I, there's a whole thought too that you know 2023 is going to be the season where Rutgers overall as a team takes a big jump, right? And so this is kind of the year where they're young, they're you know right in the middle of that rebuild. Um, they have to develop a lot of these guys. They have to get these young guys experience as you can kind of prepare for the season where the program overall could take a significant jump. You know, that's the hope among the fan base, among the program. But and and so it's it's like, you know, get Gavin his experience now, as what Steve is saying. Get him in there now. Let him learn from those mistakes and he can grow from there. The other side of that is the coaching staff isn't necessarily going to do what is best for 2023. <laughs> they're trying to win games right now. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to go with whatever they believe Again, as I said, and as we just heard Greg Schiano say, whatever gives them the best chance to win. So I think that's kind of where the dis- – I don't want to say disconnect, but kind of the difference in, in feeling is between the fan base and the coaching staff. It's just you know different objectives between those two sides. So that's what kind of makes this so intriguing is that you do have a very young quarterback, again, who you know basically was playing college football last year as a high school senior and, and has really played well in his opportunities. You know, he showed some good things and – you know, you listen to Jeff Halfley at his press conference yesterday, and he, he called him a baller. He called Gavin Wimsatt, uh, you know, a future star. So, you know, he certainly has the respect of, of opponents, and, and he's shown some good things to a lot of people around the uh, around college football. But, again, among the fan base and among the coaching staff, it's kind of two different things, you know, kind of different objectives about what this season's about. So, again, I think that this is – that's what makes some, uh, all of this so intriguing and interesting. And Chris, I think you've mentioned this too, but as far as these Greg Schiano teams and his return have gone, this is probably the least experienced team he's had. But on the other side, in terms of just raw talent, it's perhaps his most talented team overall. They're just green. They're just inexperienced. And I don't think anyone embodies that better than Gavin Wimsat. No doubt. I mean, listen, this is the most talented team that he's had. It's the most... um you know, we, we've talked about a lot about it before in previous shows, and we've heard Shiano talk about it. It's the most competitive that the program has been in a long time, just internally, um, with guys battling out for spots, and, and that that goes to the quarterback position too. So, you know, listen, Gavin certainly has potential, um, but he's very, very young, and, and that's something that you'll hear you know Shiano talk about a lot. It's just how young he is. Again, I mean, he joined the program last year as a high school senior. I mean, he went to his. You know, we could say this all day long, and I know I keep saying it. It's not, it's not like a broken record at this point, but he was at his you know high school graduation a couple months ago. You know, so he, he's he's got a lot to learn. But you know, how fast do you want to throw him into that fire? You know, I think fans have one own opinion, and, and the coaching staff has another, and we'll see kind of who wins out on Saturday. And speaking of that coaching opinion, here's what Greg Schiano had to say about Gavin Wimsat. There's tons of areas of growth. I mean, you're talking about a, a freshman at the quarterback position. There's so much to learn at the quarterback position. So I just think his overall understanding of everything that's going on, you know, when you're really playing the position at a high level, much like Phil's playing it at, at, at right now at, at Boston College, he knows everything about the offense. He knows where everybody's supposed to be. Um, when you get to that level, and we've had quarterbacks at that stage here, when you get to that level, and you have the physical gifts like Gavin does, that's a lot of fun. Um, right now, certainly his physical gifts are ahead of his understanding of just by sh- pure time, time he's had to learn it. But uh, he's very, very gifted, and he does love football, and he works at it. So uh, when you have that combination, it's just a matter of time. 
So all eyes will be under center on Saturday as Rutgers gets ready to take on Boston College. And Chris and Steve, as we break training camp here, uh, of course, the quarterback battle, that's the attention grabber. But any other position battles uh, that you know are, are solidified, that are decided as we head into week one for this season, Chris, that maybe caught your attention? Well, yesterday, uh, Rutgers released uh, the depth chart, and this is like gold. You know, fans have been waiting for this for a long time. So <laughs> We actually had a listener question about the, the depth chart. So so listen up, Kevin. Here you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, there's not a, a tremendous amount of surprises on here. Um, you know, obviously, again, the first thing I looked at was the quarterback. But as we said, that nothing's no answers were given on this. So we'll move on from that. Uh, the offensive line, I mean – you know, Holland Pierce, great story. You know, listed as a starter at offensive tackle. You know, uh, a former walk-on guy really, you know, transformed his body. I mean, really became a really, really good uh, high-potential Big Ten offensive lineman. Um, you know, Willie Tyler's listed as a starter. Uh, J.D. Lorenzo, um, you know, Curtis Dunlap or Mike Giafoni at guard. So, you know, certainly the transfer offensive linemen are, have a chance to make a big impact here. And, again, you know, we'll see what that line looks like. I mean, right now, all we have to know is that they look more like a Big Ten offensive line. They're bigger. Um, they have more size. And Shiano said during training camp that they're making progress. It's by inches, but they're making progress. It's going to be a steady climb. But until we see it against another team, we're not going to know how much better this offensive line is. So that's going to be, I think, the really, really interesting thing. And, and the fact that, you know, we're going to be able to see it against a Power 5 quality opponent is interesting, too. So, we're going to get a look at that really, really quickly. We'll know where the things stand. Other than that, I mean, not a tremendous amount of surprises on the, on the depth chart. You know, they went with, um, you know, a four, two, five defense on the depth chart. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm really interested to see Desmond Igbenosin, you know, in, in, in kind of in an expanded role. Uh, we've seen him play well, you know, in, in his opportunities last season. So, you know, other than that, I wouldn't say that there's a whole lot of shocking things on that, on that uh, the depth chart yesterday. You know, Chris brings up the offensive line. I think that is the one area that has the potential to be the biggest, most important area of growth for this team this year with the guys they brought in, you know, given the way they played the last few years. I think that could be huge for them in the growth of this program. If they can kind of solidify that offensive line and have it look a lot more like a Big Ten offensive line, that's going to go a long way towards moving the program forward. And I know Chiano has said right from the start that that has to be a main focus. And you could certainly see that this offseason, that that is a main focus. So I think that could be a really uh, an area that really surprises people and at, you know how good they could potentially play. Yeah, and Steve mentions growth, and it's not just physical growth, but just mental growth as well. Guys come to this program, they learn the system, and the same goes for the coaching staff too. You know, there's a couple new coaches that are joining the staff for Rutgers, guys in different positions, and for a program like Rutgers, a program that is trying to rebuild, uh, that's a very, very important thing to, to focus on, and it's, like I said, it's beyond just physical. Obviously, you need big, strong, fast guys to win at football, but they need to know where to be and to know what they're doing, and they need to have the coaching staff staff there to tell them where to be and what to do. And that's certainly been a point of emphasis for Greg Schiano this summer, Chris. It's the toughest position. The offensive line is the toughest position to really develop, and especially in a conference like this where you're going up against such big you know, defensive lines. And, and we can sit here and say, you know, day after day, hour after hour, this team's only going to go, or you know, really this offense, but overall this team is only going to go as far as the offensive line takes it. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, whether it's Vedral, Simon, Wimsat, whoever. If the offensive line isn't improved, then this offense is not going to make the type of improvements overall 
that it needs to make, that it wants to make. So, you know, listen, when you're sitting down on, on you know, or you're at the game, whatever, on Saturday watching this game against Boston College, you know, you're going to be paying a close attention to the offensive line. And listen, I mean, we're casual. We're, we're not, no, I don't want to say we're casual observers, but, you know, certainly the coaching staff is going to see things that no one else sees, right? So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to hear what, what Shiano's thoughts are and, and you know, what kind of uh, the offensive line's thoughts are and how they play, you know, next week. But certainly we're going to get a good glimpse of things on uh, on Saturday. You must wonder how much the offensive line play will influence the quarterback decision, uh, decision too. If you do have kind of a, a leaky offensive line, maybe you want a guy back there like Vedral who has the experience, knows the offense maybe a little bit better, can get rid of the ball, as opposed to a guy like Wimsad who might still think run first if pressure comes to him, who has the ability to escape, but also maybe doesn't know the offense, doesn't see the field quite as well as a guy as Vedral. Uh, certainly, maybe that influences the, the decision for quarterback. Yeah, Noah Vedral last two seasons never got the chance to play behind the quality offensive line. You know, people get, people criticize him for, you know, some of the, you know, kind of the more conservative uh, passes that he makes and, and some of the more conservative plays, but he never got the shot to play behind a consistent, stable offensive line. And we never really, you know, you know, hopefully for him, you know, and for the program, you know, if he'll get that opportunity this season. Well, Vedral certainly doesn't have to prove his toughness to anyone, you know, some of the hits he's taken. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, you bring up escapability, you know, there's one thing Wimsat does bring, you know, he can make up for, for mistakes, uh, you know, with his legs. So it's also, I think a factor. Absolutely. Something to, to key in on and we'll see what happens on Saturday against Boston college. We're going to get into some predictions in just a moment, but one more clip here from Greg Giano, just talking once again about that year to year growth. Well, I think any time you continually go through cycles and the same people are going through them, you get better, right? So we had some coaching changes on the defensive side of the ball, so you don't get that. But then maybe you gain a little bit of uh, new ideas, things like that. The players that have been through it for two or three years, I think that's the key. They now have the culture. They are the ones who share the culture with the players on the team, the younger guys, the new guys. That, to me, is the key. And, and, you know, when you talk about culture and people want to use the word tradition, tradition isn't singing a song or ringing a bell. Tradition is what the older players pass down to the younger players. And that's a very uh, program builder type uh, answer there from Greg Schiano, the audio there from Rutgers. But as you heard there, it's, you know, beyond the X's and O's about building that winning culture, about building uh, a program where guys come in and they learn from the guys in front of them. And we've seen that from the quarterback position especially, but uh, certainly a point of emphasis that we've heard from Greg Schiano, not just this season, this summer, this spring, but going into last year as well, just building on that culture. So as we head now, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, kind of along the lines of culture, we have some breaking news and we can share here. Uh, oh. Rutgers just announced its captains, um, six players, uh, Noah Vedral, Johnny Langan, Shameen Jones, Mayan Ahanatu, Avery Young, and Adam Corsak. So those will be the six captains for the season. So some breaking news there. There you go. I need to add like a little like breaking news sound effect or something. <laughs> oh, I'm not used to it. We haven't had breaking news on the show. That's <laughs> no, incredible. This is the first time. I <laughs> first time for everything. Wow. All right. The first episode of the season. We're off to a hot start. I love it. 
we have uh, we have some predictions to make too. This is normally the part in the program where we have our predictions. So not only we're we going to predict the Boston College game, but as the first episode of the regular season, we're going to go game by game as well. Uh, we'll make our predictions about how we think this Scarlet Knights team will fare. We also have a, a different prediction we'll make, and this comes to us via a listener question. Max wanted to know who you guys think a breakout candidate for the season will be. So we're going to start with a breakout player. Uh, Chris, who do you see potentially filling that role? So I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, but I think that Josh Youngblood, you know, wide receiver, uh, is going to have a really, really good year. I, I you know, I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago, and he said that he's feeling more explosive. He said he's feeling faster than he ever has. Um, and we really have not seen Youngblood at his full potential because he was hampered by injuries last season. So I think that he's got a real shot to be a, a really good weapon uh, for this offense. And he's a dynamic player, you know, and when you have him alongside another really, really speedy guy and, and uh, Aaron Cruikshank, who's obviously working back um, from an injury, but he says he's feeling good too. Uh, I think that that's going to be a real weapon, not just on the offense, but on special teams. You know, they're, they're two really, really good return men. I mean, you know, Youngblood was one of the best uh, return men in the, in the big 12 when he was at Kansas state. So I'm really interested to see what he can do this year, but I, I think he's got a real shot to be a, a breakout candidate. You know, I, I look on the defensive side, and I think everyone understands how good Max Melton is. But here's a guy who I think could really take it to another level this year and who has the big play ability that they really need on that defense. Um, so I, if you're looking at a breakout player, um, I think Max Melton could really, really make a big impact this year. And they'll have their first shot, of course, on Saturday, September 3rd. Rutgers opening up on the road at Boston College, a noon kick from Chestnut Hill. Rutgers, as we said, opening up against a Power 5 opponent. Uh, you heard Greg Schiano there mention uh, the quarterback for Boston College, a guy with some experience. So uh, certainly not a, an easy one for Rutgers to open this season. Boston College, you know, they're not world beaters. They're a quality program. They've sent plenty of guys to the NFL over the years. They're in the ACC. Uh Certainly a winnable game, it looks like, on paper. But what do you see out of this Boston College Eagles team, Chris? And what is your prediction for Saturday? Yeah, it's a quality team. You know, there's no doubt. And it's just going to be a real litmus test right away. They have, a, you know, their quarterback is is a very, very good quarterback. And, and Shiano said he's, you know, got NFL potential. I mean, you know, high, you know, high level of, of respect for him. Boston College is kind of going through, through something similar um, as Rutgers in terms of having to kind of rebuild its entire offensive line. So that's, they're both um, kind of having that sort of experiment, I guess you could say on Saturday, kind of trying to see what their, their lines look like. Uh, but yeah, definitely listen, a, a good team, obviously a really, you know, good coaching staff, um, a coaching staff that is basically filled with uh, former Shiano um, assistants starting at the top of Jeff Halfley. Um, so yeah, you know, quality opponent, you know, that played well in the ACC last year. Now the ACC overall had kind of a, a down season last year. So, you know, what does that mean in terms of going up against, you know, a big 10 uh, opponent in Rutgers and, uh, you know, what, what that'll translate to obviously Rutgers is still in the rebuild. So I'm not saying that, you know, it's like Boston college is going up against Ohio state or Michigan at this point, but, but still, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, you know, kind of how these teams match up. Um, and, and, you know, certainly, as I said, a really, really good litmus test. And, and you know, they have a really good wide receiver um, in, in Zay Flowers. So certainly that's going to be a test for uh, for Rutgers defense. And I'm sure, you know, Max Melton will, will draw that challenge. So uh, you know, definitely a good team. 
Steve, how about you? How do you see things uh, shaking out on Saturday? You know, I it it's obviously it's a tough first game. You know, a Power Five con- a conference team on the road. Um, maybe not how I would have scheduled it, but I I would look for Rutgers to go in and actually play pretty well in this game. I don't think it's going to be quite enough on the road against against Boston College, but I think you're gonna. I think Rutgers is going to show you some glimpse of of what might be possible as this group gets experience. Um, I honestly, I, I would look for Boston College to win a close game in this one. And the thing about this game too is, you know, you look at last season, right? Rutgers went three and zero in an on-conference schedule. The toughest non-conference opponent had was Syracuse. Boston College is much better than Syracuse was last season. This game, starting right away, is going to go a long way toward dictating, you know, what this season is remembered as. Because if Rutgers loses to Boston College, all of a sudden getting to a second consecutive bowl game becomes a lot tougher. So a win over BC certainly would help that cause. You know, then you're expecting, you would think that Rutgers is going to be Temple and Wagner, be three and zero going in against the uh, going into the Big Ten opener against Iowa. You know, at home. So this is an important game. Um, I am kind of leaning toward what Steve thinks. I, I Again, it all comes down to the offensive line. We've heard that they say that they're making progress, that, you know, they, they've shown some good things in training camp. But until we've seen it in person, whatever, in a game, you know, until we actually see that progress, I just I, I'm, I can't necessarily think that it's enough right now to say that Rutgers is going to go up to Boston college and, and beat a quality team at this point. So I think that it's going to be close. I could see like a, you know, a 24, 21 uh, type of game, but I, I think Boston college ultimately, you know, will make one more play and, and manage to get the win at home. Yeah. And, and not to be boring, but I agree with both of you as well. I think that, you know, they'll, they'll show the flashes like Steve mentioned, but it's not quite, all together yet you just feel like they're not quite ready yet to win a game like this they'll show glimpses they'll they'll get something for for fans to be excited about but not quite enough in the tank yet for Rutgers the puzzle piece not quite all assembled yet to win a game like this so let's quickly go uh game by game for this 2022 schedule we mentioned Rutgers they did go to a bowl game last year they finished with a record of five and eight they were five and seven of course in the regular season so as we look to the 2022 schedule uh, we already have three losses across the board to be uh, optimist for the game at Boston College. And then they come back September 10th with a game against Wagner. Uh, I think safe to say this is a game that we see Rutgers winning. If Rutgers loses that game, then it's a, a bad sign. In the following week, September 17th, they go on the road at Temple. Uh, once again, another winnable game for the Scarlet Knights. So it looks like two and one at least to start the season. Yeah, I would say that that's going to be the case going into the start of Big Ten play. I, I, I would, I would say two and one is is the safe bet. Now things start to get interesting because then you have Iowa at home on September twenty fourth, followed by at Ohio State on October first. Uh, is Ohio State good? I can't remember. Uh, we'll see. They're you know rebuilding program. We'll see. Uh, starting the season ranked second, so no. not first, not first, no. only I'll second. See, see? beatable, beatable, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, not to assume, but I'm guessing at or home against Iowa at Ohio State, two games Rutgers uh, will not be winning. I actually, you know, if if Rutgers is three and zero going into the Iowa game, that's a really really interesting one because. Maybe they can surprise people and beat a team like Iowa. I mean, you know, Iowa's offense, Iowa's defense is going to be, I think, very, very good again. You know, obviously, they returned the bulk of a defense that was one of the best in the nation last season. The offense was suspect last year, 
And who knows? If, I think that Rutgers defense actually has a shot to be pretty good. You know, it's young again, as we keep saying, but I think that they've got real significant talent on that side of the ball. So who knows? Listen, if I was uh, offense is as, as kind of shaky as it was, or kind of, you know, just kind of boring and, and not that explosive as it was last year, then I think that Rutgers defense could certainly hold its own against Iowa and give the Scarlet Knights a shot in that game. It's, it's just a matter of is Rutgers going to be able to score enough, but you know, I, I think that Iowa game is definitely maybe more winnable than some people might think. Well, let's face it. If, if Rutgers is three and oh, I would look for uh, Piscataway to be buzzing that day that Iowa comes here. I mean, I think it's going to be, it would be a great atmosphere. It would be nice to see Rutgers come into that game unbeaten and see what they could do with that kind of momentum, that kind of confidence. Absolutely. If I had a little prediction, though, I'd probably at this point say that would be a loss. But I think it's winnable, but I think it's probably a loss. Right. Yeah. And, and then at Ohio State, you know, that's why they play the games, but most likely a loss there. Then two in a row, October 7th and then October 22nd, both at home, both against, again, beatable Big Ten opponents in Nebraska and Indiana. What do you think of that, Chris? Well, as we saw, I mentioned the Nebraska Northwestern game earlier. As we saw that, you know, I mean, there's a complete implosion. I mean, Scott Frost, well, I don't know what. He's <laughs> They're not going to onside kick up 11 against Rutgers? You know I don't think <laughs> anybody knows what he's doing. He, they should have left him in Ireland. I mean, my God. <laughs> you know, so I don't know if he'll even be coaching the team by the time Nebraska gets here. He probably will be. But, you know, certainly he's coaching for his job at this point. But if that team is really, you know, going through some stuff, there's a chance that Nebraska is very beatable. I actually think that Rutgers can, can beat Nebraska. I, I I would give them a good shot against that team. I, I think that, you know, especially at home, I was, I'm going to say Rutgers beats Nebraska. I'm going to go on record saying that that's a win. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably maybe the most important game in this whole schedule if, if you're trying to piece together a path, you know, to the postseason. You know, I, I would think that has to include beating Nebraska. Yeah, and that's a Friday night game uh, on national TV as well on, on FS1, a 7 o'clock kick on a Friday night there. So uh, depending on where Rutgers is at that point, once again, an opportunity for the fans to, to come out and create a really fun and exciting atmosphere in Piscataway. And then you have a bye after that, and you come back on October 22nd against Indiana, also at home, a noon kickoff as of now for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, what do we think of that game, Chris? Indiana's a mess. You know, I, that, that, that should be a win. I mean, especially if you're hunting for a bowl game. Those are the teams that right now Rutgers should be beating, right? I mean, at this point in the rebuild, I think that you can say that that should be a standard, that you're able to beat the teams lower in the Big Ten, a team like Indiana. You know, obviously they, they destroyed Indiana last season um, on the road. So, and, and there's certainly Indiana has just as many questions this year as it did last year. Actually, last year, a lot of people were expecting them to be a lot better, but they just kind of fell apart. It was a horrible year. Um, Tom Allen certainly made a lot of changes, you know, to his coaching staff and things, but, you know, we'll see what all that translates to this year. But I think that that's that Rutgers should beat Indiana. Let's say that. And I'm going to say that they do. Yeah, you know, it's it's the mark of a team where you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And as of now, of course, we'll see how the games shake out on paper. That's a team that Rutgers should beat. So let's see. We have them at now, what, 4-3 and three as we head to Minnesota on October 29th. They then come home for, well, a tough stretch against Michigan at Michigan State. Oh, November's oh. brutal home against Penn State, and then they wrap up at Maryland. So uh, let's start, well, almost our November slate there, October 29th at Minnesota. What do we think of that game? Minnesota's a good team. You know, they got a really good running back, and Ibrahim is coming back from an injury. Uh, P.J. Fleck, another former Shiano assistant and obviously a close friend of his, 
um, has that program in a good direction, I think that that's probably a loss for Rutgers. You know, it, it's interesting because as you, as you look at the schedule, I mean, Rutgers almost has to go into that Minnesota game with five wins if it has any hope of going to the postseason, getting a bull bid, and then somehow steal one of those last five games. I don't know exactly where it would be, but I, you know, I think I think that's the the best they can hope for at this point. Is it is they got to have five wins going into that Minnesota game? Yeah, and by my tally, I have them at four wins, four and three going into that Minnesota game. So that Iowa game that we mentioned before on September 24th becomes even more important. And, of course, September 3rd, if they are able to win against Boston College, we said that's a tough road test. Uh, One of those two games they'll really need, uh, like Steve said, heading into Minnesota because things get very difficult from then on out. November 5th, home against Michigan. They're starting the season ranked eighth. Then they go November 12th at Michigan State. They're ranked 15th. They're home against Penn State, who's unranked. I don't know how long that will last. And then they wrap up the season at Maryland, a team that they lost to at home last year when a bowl bid was on the line. They end up going to a bid as a replacement. Uh, So a tough stretch there in November. How do we see the November slate shaking out there, Chris? Well, I'm going to (laughs) go. I'm going to go with a loss to Michigan, a loss to Michigan State and a loss to Penn State. So I, I don't think that they're going to be able to beat those two, those three teams. I think those are still the, you know, Rutgers is not at the point where I think it should be competitive. I think that you can expect to be, you know, for them to, to really, you know, put on a good showing and, and at least give them, you know, go into the fourth quarter, as, as Shiano said many times, go into the fourth quarter with a chance to win. But ultimately, those are good teams. And I'm not sure Rutgers is at that point where they can pull off those wins. Yeah, well, they wrap up. Go ahead, Steve. And that, that brings us down to Maryland again for the second straight season. Sound familiar? <laughs> and uh, I tell you, hopefully, you know, hopefully they're better prepared for, for this year's game if it comes down to that. Yeah, so we're looking at potentially, at least by my tally, uh, five and seven, maybe four and eight for this team. But kind of what Chris just mentioned, you, you want to you avoid the blowouts. You want to avoid those losses that makes fans want to stay home. You want to avoid those 40-something point losses to the Ohio States in the world. And, you know, easier said than done because they are one of the best teams in the entire country. But you want to hang in games. You want to make it competitive. You want to give fans a reason to watch into the second half. And, you know, that's really, you know, there's it's a moral victory, I guess you could say, for the Scarlet Knights to be able to compete. But it is a young, rebuilding program, as we said. And you just want to see competitive football from young, talented players. And you know what? It might not end in a bowl. It might not end in a winning record. Uh, there might be more losses than wins, but you do want to see those glimpses into the future for this program. And, you know, we keep talking, you know, there's always next year. There's always next year. But, you know, from what it looks like, there are some young, talented players in this program. So you want something to build upon for this 2022 season. And as we said, that's why they play the games. We shall see. Maybe they win games that we didn't have them winning. Maybe they lose games we didn't have them. Whatever. We'll see. That's why they play the games. And by the way, for Rutgers, get a Big Ten win at home for the first time in like five years. I mean, that would be a big thing for the fans just to kind of give them let fans know that, hey, if you're coming to SHI Stadium, you've got a good shot at seeing Rutgers beat a Big Ten quality opponent. So and that should be one of the top goals for this year, in my opinion. Absolutely. It should be an exciting season. And as I said, we will be here every week uh, bringing you episodes on Wednesday. We'll briefly wrap up the previous game. We'll preview the upcoming game. We'll update you on all the Rutgers news. We'll try to work in some guests as well uh, throughout the show. We'll have sound clips from players and coaches. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Steve and Chris are on there. Be sure to look out for Chris. He asks for listener questions every week. So we'll try to work some of those into our program. Thank you to the listeners 
who submitted questions for this week. And thank you for, for listening to the first episode of The Chop. Again, if you like what you hear, tell your friends, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Be sure to follow Steve and Chris's work on app.com and northjersey.com. And we will be back next week for another edition of The Chop. We will see if Rutgers can go 1-0 and to start the 2022 season. Thank you so much for listening. For Chris, for Steve, I'm Ryan, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>